0: Welcome to Dojo Talks. Uh, this is another episode where we'll be discussing uh, the latest and greatest in chess. And uh, today's topic, we, we have a, a working title here, Zoomer Chess Tools. Let me throw it to Jesse to introduce today's topic and what we're going to be talking about here.
1: Right, so um, I was thinking, what, something I'm interested in is just this question of these young kids who are coming up, who are learning their chess in entirely new and unconventional ways, how good can they get? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for example, if you think about just recently, recent history with Fabi, the way he learned chess, he went to Europe and studied under various people, like lived at their houses, just consumed uh, literature of Magnus is also that way. And, you know, those guys aren't old. They're like 30 years old, you know. So this new generation, though, has completely different tools at their disposal. Clearly, they're dangerous, but I'm wondering how important, like the absorption of chess culture and this older way of doing things with books and talking to people, you know, moving pieces around on the board, how significant that is to their chess development. And so that's the overarching question I have of to what extent can they improve? And let's say fight for the, to be the best in the world. And then what we then decided to do was then break down the tools, talk about the tools, the new zoomer tools individually. So that's what we're going to do. And so we got three things we're going to talk about, um, if you can get good by just playing loads of blitz online, and that's something that they're doing. That is simply something they're doing especially in the last year we're going to talk about puzzles stuff like puzzle rush and the lee chess puzzle all the other stuff and then that's something else they're doing and then we're going to talk about chessable and how that can be used and i think all the three of those things are the main improvement platforms that the zoomers are using Um, and older people use it too you know me and coaster are having fun with our little (laughs) puzzle rush battle and stuff and we'll talk about how maybe that applies to us and what we think about it surely when we talk about the puzzles so that was just my brief intro into what we're going to talk about today and then we're as i said we're going to split it up into these component parts
0: yeah yeah these are definitely not tools that are just like specific to zoomers or i would say even like introduced by the zoomer uh generation is just of like a placeholder for us to say like the modern chess tools because like most players in history grew up maybe reading chess books or chess magazines mostly playing games and analyzing with a physical board not using computers not using engines just them and the board and their thoughts and their opponents thoughts and you know the thoughts of their their peers and their their training partners um but yeah now it seems like chess uh improvement is changing and i think it's been changing for I, I feel like a few decades now with like the start of ICC and uh, PlayChess and Chess.com and LeeChess because now you can play you know millions of games and uh, I think we've already seen the generation of uh, online players like Magnus and Hikaru both famously played like thousands and thousands of games online in addition uh, in Magnus's case to like reading a lot of books uh, so yeah a lot to a lot to discuss here um, because I think, there, I think there are a lot of benefits to these uh, new tools. There's also some, some drawbacks. Um, but yeah, so should we start with this idea of playing? Like, can playing a lot of blitz really lead to a ton of improvement?
2: Sure, I'll, I'll go first on that one. Um, you mentioned uh, Hikaru, and I think, to my mind, he was the first proof that for some people, that can be enough to get really, really good. Now, I don't know exactly how good a Zoomer or anyone has to get for Jesse to say, okay, the tools that they use worked. (laughs) I don't know if it, you know, if it's gotta be 2750 or 2780 or 2820 or, 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 exactly where it is. Um, but I mean, clearly Hikaru became, you know, a 2700 plus super GM largely on the back of just churning out blitz games and bullet games even um, and he clearly learned from playing them he clearly got better doing it and he clearly got really good so i mean that's that's one case that that, that provides some pretty clear data i i personally believe different people learn in different ways so just because it worked for hikaru there could be someone else for whom it doesn't work who has a similar overall chess potential, but a different way of learning and a different way of like thinking about chess. And they could do the exact same thing that Hikaru did and not get as good and a different plan would have worked for them. But for Hikaru, it worked. And I think for a lot of people, it can work.
1: So I want to jump in there. And definitely Hikaru was, a. I mean, when he made it, when he made it, not, not to the top 100, but to the top 10, I was kind of shocked, I was definitely shocked. But a really important footnote on this is Hikaru did grow up with a stepdad who is arguably, well, he's, I would say his stepdad, Neil Weirmantry, is within one of, the, one of the top coaches in the country. Yeah, And so he grew up with that chess culture in his house in like around the New York City area. And I think that's indispensable. I don't think he would have ever made it without that. So it's, it's kind of like the story of him playing all that blitz, making it with the blitz. That's part of the story. But it's not all of it.
0: Certainly wasn't the
1: only thing. Yeah, he did.
0: My feeling on all this is that, like, these tools can come and go, but there are certain things that I think are very necessary to become a really good player, and one of them being playing a ton of chess over the board. Uh, And even if that's um, Blitz or, like, rapid tournaments, I think just the experience of playing hundreds and thousands of games OTB and really, like being invested and very present for those games. I think this uh, is a really important part of the development of many players and it's one thing that I actually think is missing for a lot of adult improvers because they didn't play chess when they were younger. They never had this opportunity to like go to a tournament and like just play chess 24-7 for three days in a row or go to a chess camp and play chess for like five hours a day for five days and... Now it's kind of a real struggle for a lot of players who want to play in tournaments, but of course now tournaments are uh, less common because of COVID, it's harder to find someone to play in person with. So this is actually I think a real struggle for some folks to get that like OTB um, experience. Uh, But yeah, clearly lots of players do improve a lot and it seems like they're not doing a whole lot outside of just playing a ton of Blitz and trying to learn from the games. But the players that do improve that focus on that. To me, it feels like they are getting something out of the Blitz games. Either they're retaining a lot of info or when they make a mistake, somehow they're able to kind of learn from that. Even if they're not super invested in like analyzing all their Blitz games and like trying to learn from it, clearly they're picking something up from that volume. But to David's point, I haven't seen it work for just everyone. And there's a ton of players out there who do play lots of Blitz and don't improve, right? So it's clearly not just about doing the thing, playing a ton of games, uh, there has to be some kind of deeper connection made in the game, whether that's OTB or online, I think is not the most important thing, but yeah, somehow you have to like really engage with your moves, the ideas you're putting out, why they are or aren't working and develop um, that growth.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say for example, uh, that I'm an example of the opposite like somebody who could play a lot of blitz games and not really learn or improve much from them. You know, different people learn in different ways. I've played a ton of blitz games, probably like 80% of the people watching this or listening to this have played like, you know, 10,000 blitz games in their life or whatever. some insane number, I don't know what it comes out to, but like when I was in high school, I played on ICC, you know, all day. When I was, when I went to, uh, to college, you know, I would play blitz until the sun came up on, on ICC. I didn't get any better. You know, maybe, it never really helped me.
0: Maybe not, but I mean, you are you are a really good player now. So that was part of your <laughs> upbringing. Well,
2: I, I feel like my improvement didn't really come from that, though. Like, obviously, at, at various points in my life, I made improvement, but I've had phases when I did different things. So I have a sense of which, like, phases improved me and which ones didn't, right? Like, at one point, I spent a month with another player of my rating looking at... King and Pawn Endings from Dvoretsky. And then we spent the next month looking at Rook and Pawn Endings in Dvoretsky. And we did like eight hours a day of it, plus like, you know, physical workouts in between. And um, and then occasionally looking at like some 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 complete games. I got better from that. But like in college, just just, you know, cranking Blitz at night, I didn't get better.
1: Yeah, and I'll say from my experience as a coach, and this is just anecdotal because I'm just one guy, but my experience as a coach is it hurts more than it helps, especially when it's (laughs) binge-worthy. When especially when it becomes binge-worthy, that like the bad habits get ossified, they get ingrained, and Mm -hmm. then it's like we gotta re, we gotta like, you know, the body needs to be stretched out and like put back into its proper form, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to worry about because when you play a lot of blitz, you, you have certain reactions. You know, your opponent pins you with bishop to g5 and you're just playing h6 on autopilot every time or you're breaking the pin. But there's nothing that you should be doing every single time in, in a chess position. So, yeah, it's like blitz can definitely build on those bad habits. So you have to be very, very careful. I mean, with, with everything, I just feel like it's not it's not black and white. Blitz can be helpful but it's probably not helpful in the way that most people are engaging uh, with Blitz. So I feel like that's that's always my main uh, thought I really here.
2: Believe, I really believe some people just process it differently. Like, you know, when we say, oh, if, if you binge, it's not as good or something. But like, if you look at Hikaru, I mean, he doesn't stop after every Blitz game and like, think about it, right? I mean, he, he'll play a hundred games
1: in a row. Yeah. Which honestly, like you know, the guys. It's always been the question. I think for everybody in in the U.S. chess community, especially before he made it, was like, okay, how good could a Caru have been? <laughs> he hadn't had the bad habits that he did. How good he have gotten? And then it stunned us when he made top ten. It stunned everybody. I guarantee you, people out there might claim that they they saw it coming. No, no one saw that coming because. It was just so surprising. And at that time, like the jump, we, you know, we he, he made it to twenty seven hundred or, you know, just like twenty, excuse me, like high twenty six hundreds and then the jump into the twenty seven hundred thing it was just like a shock you know, because he was he was plateaued at in the high twenty six hundreds for like around the late two thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I he mean,
2: to him. be clear, this guy made it over twenty eight hundred and was like competing with you know kramnik and anand you know playing like positional games with them right Mm -hmm. so like if he had done things differently how much better he could have been or something i i mean not much he pretty much made it to the top yeah (laughs) (laughs) like five more rating points maybe or like a year sooner or two years sooner I, i don't know i mean what he did i think pretty much worked for him and I think Hikaru wanted to be really good. And if what he was doing hadn't been good for him, he would have probably changed. I mean, people sometimes get it wrong about themselves for sure. But like my guess is that what he was doing worked well for him. And, and, and that's why he did it. And that he was, you know, determined enough to get good that he was willing to, to do what it took. And if he had to stop playing blitz to get better, he might've, but I don't think he needed to
0: yeah well when it comes down to it and i give my students pretty much the same advice like if you want to play blitz that's fine but treat it as something fun that you're doing and not like okay this is how i'm gonna grind my chest and and improve like you want to play blitz enjoy have some fun but yeah i think the deep think is where you're gonna get most improvement i feel for for most people doesn't mean that blitz is never useful i feel like people always hear that and they're like oh so that means Blitz is worthless. It's definitely not worthless. It can be helpful, but I just think in like really specific uh, cases.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, what I just want to mention, because we're all dissing it from this old school perspective. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but what really is great about Blitz is that, especially if you don't live in some big city, uh, like I did when I was a kid, I played like the same three or four people again and again and again. In my tiny little state, um, once you get into the online world, you you are suddenly able to play IMs and GMs and all these people, and they're throwing all kinds of different conceptual things at you that you at least have to react to in a competitive sense. So, like, that is something. There's no doubt that that is worth something. Wow. Um, but it sounds like we have a kind of a consensus here. Right? We have a consensus that no, blitz isn't working. And we could be, you know, there might be somebody out there, maybe chess numbers could construct a statistical model in which you could actually test this kind of, uh, this kind of thing. That's, That's what we, really need. we need.
0: We need long chess studies.
2: <laughs> I wasn't trying to say that it doesn't work. I, I'm trying to say for some people it would work and some people it wouldn't okay that's, that's that's really what i'm trying to say some people great and they can get better and not only get better but keep getting better right like they make 1800 you're like that's amazing somebody got to 1800 just playing blitz without studying the classics no they can keep going they can get 2000 2200 some people
1: uh-huh. and a
2: lot of other people can't and i would guess that the number of people who can get you know super strong and super close to their potential let's say By playing blitz i would guess it's like 10 percent or less of of people who are sort of like built that way um but a lot of them i but i think a lot of like real chess prodigies are built that way so i think i think if you are somebody who has that kind of 27 2800 potential i think you'll find that the incidence is higher than 10 percent that they get really good by just playing tons of games so so i think it is viable but i think for some people it would work and some it wouldn't. And that's what I think about a lot of other things you can do in chess.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's all about the balance. Um, well, what do you say guys? Shall we move to
1: puzzles? Let's move to the next one, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so actually I had a little bit of a disagreement on this with uh, Greg Shahadi because I made a video about how I feel like puzzle books are better than online tactics trainers because in Mm -hmm. puzzle books you get problems that are kind of handpicked by humans for their instructive value and i think you get ideas that are more thematic whereas online tactics trainers you know they just scan games and the engine just finds moments where there was a clear winning move and then just turns that into a puzzle even though it might be weird it might be obvious it often is not a great anyway you guys can check out that video if you want to hear my full thoughts Uh, And Greg it was actually like, I don't know, these kids today, and and Greg works with the U.S. Chess School, so he's come in contact with so many just, like, super, super talented kids. Um, He was like, I don't know, these kids, they just do Chess.com Tactics Trainer all day, every day, and they're, you know, 2,400 USCF, 3,000 in tactics. He seemed to think it doesn't matter where your tactics come from. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can definitely discuss, you know, whether Puzzle Rush is... (laughs) better or worse than just doing like the regular tactics where you're you know timed but not not rushing um but yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack here and again there's also a distinction to be made um you know a lot of like we're, we all grew up playing tournaments we're mostly tournament players so we're usually thinking about otb and how to get better at classical otb there's lots of players out there they just want to get better at online blitz and for them you know a tactics training might be more uh suitable um again i'm on the side of like you need a balance like i like having good problems that come from like books but it's also good to solve a lot of problems to get a lot of volume in build up your patterns and really like you know that's what i love about puzzle rush really forces you to like find a lot of those simple tactics very very quickly and over time i think it definitely helps with pattern recognition but yeah i just think there's just like so many so many aspects of calculation to work on There's, there's no one size fits all solution it seems to me
2: i suspect there's elements of quantity versus quality in this question because one like advantage if you want to call it that of online puzzles is like i bet the people who've done a lot of online puzzles have done more puzzles than anyone who studied chess tactics from books ever did like you just like you run out of books you can't you can't turn the pages as fast you can't set it up on a board as fast if you're trying to do it like OTB with actually setting up puzzles on a board which is something I used to do like it's just just the practicality of it is that people who are doing puzzles online are just doing tons more which is part of that question with like the blitz also right it's just like a glut of it i mean you can do it on like an app on your phone, anywhere you go, right? So when you've got 10 seconds free, um, where you'd have to get a book out of your backpack and like find your page and stuff. I mean, it's just so there's definitely an element of they're just doing more. And then then you can ask are the puzzles less good? Or how many of them are less good? And what kind of a mix do you need?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely a question of quantity versus quality. Uh, I don't know. I think both are useful, but you you need quality at some point. Yeah, it can't just all be um, candy and uh, the easy stuff.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating. Um, I, I guess I have a pretty strong opinion on this. I mean, um, I feel, first of all, that if you're just beginning, uh, that puzzle, things like Puzzle Rush are fine. And if you wanna give yourself a goal of first 15, then 20, then 25, 30, you know, that's all gonna be beneficial just so you get like the basic patterns. After that, no, I think like this battle me and ghosty guy going, it is not helping anybody. (laughs) It's not helping either of us. It's fun and it's it's a diversion from my real troubles in life. Absolutely, you know, that part of it is great. But it's not helping either one of us. And I think there's, um, the way I would put it out there just to be helpful about this, and we'll put this in the YouTube description of links, is I'd say there's four books. I might do my own video about this. It's so hard to get around to doing a video, but here's four books that I think give a good sense of where I think your tactics really will improve, right? And um, if you, the first book I think the beginners should get, is the Polgar with a gazillion mates in it. Great. It's like practicing the layups. You're practicing your tactical mate layups. All the patterns are there and you get them again and again, and they are not easy. Well, at least some of them are (laughs) easy, but most of them, many of them are quite challenging. Then there's a bunch of books. I have one that you can't get. It's very hard to get. It's a Russian book by Kalini Schenkel. It's very hard to get, but with uh, Endgame, standard positions, and studies. That is very important. Studies are a great example of what you do not get in the puzzle rush. It's because it's too hard to do on some kind of thing where you only have you know, less than 30 seconds. You need for a puzzle, or excuse me, a study, you're gonna need like five minutes, and then you know it's a thing of beauty that's gonna reveal itself to you.
2: But, um, but Jesse, if I could just yeah. interject for one yeah. second yeah. without yeah. interrupting your train of thought. Um, you may not reach them in puzzle rush, but if you just do puzzles online in chess.com, the chess.com database is full of end game studies. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I still don't think it's good because your mind, when you're online is not prepared to do anything at a longer, uh, you're going to, if you, if you do anything and you're staring at something online for more than a couple of minutes, you will be distracted. I don't care who you are. The Twitter or whatever, you're gonna look away and you're gonna lose it. Right? Whereas I if you've got a real board and you gotta study, you're gonna be there. The other two books, and this is really the heart of my argument, um, is that you need books that have real positions from real games, where it's not just, oh, white to move and win. It's gotta be like which path do you go down and what is the evaluation? You know what is the valuation at the end? Because in the real game, you don't generally have like the win thing. No, it's going to be like here's a path to maybe an advantage. Here's the right way to do something, and this is why. And so, um, for example, I, I'm loving this book. This book's very hard to get, but nowadays you can get it. The best move by Hort and Yance, fantastic, very difficult, but positions taken from their own games, and then of course, as people have watched this show a lot. I like Perfect Your Chess by Bolo Keaton. Beautiful. Uh, and Grabinski. Beautiful book, also from Real Games. And what it points to is if you want to improve tactics, go over your games. They're there. All the tactics are there, man. Everything of beauty is there in your games. Even if you think that a super GM can only do the beautiful tactics, no. Yeah. It's in your games. No, it's really so important. That's my, yeah. mm-hmm. that's my old school advice. Um, and like I said, I think the puzzles for the beginning players, great. But once you want to progress to like deeper thought, you've got to step away from the computer. That's my two cents.
0: I, I think I'm pretty close to where you're at, Jesse. I feel like the online trainers, Puzzle Rush, uh, Survival, the regular ones uh, are great for like basic tactics and uh, basic combinations um, but I, the funny thing is like it doesn't They they don't get that basic I mean I think it takes several years to get to a level where you're just like solving the basic combinations uh, and and getting stuff right and and seeing a lot of these uh, puzzles I think for most people out there they are struggling to get to like 15 20 25 years uh, in puzzle rush or even survival, because it's like, well, the puzzles get get challenging. So um, there definitely is a lot of room for the online stuff. It is very practical. I'm a big fan of the C T Art app because uh, they they come for um, they come on mobile and they're very very uh, I think easy to use and they they have great puzzles and lots of uh, variety. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, you got to start working on the deep thinking. And I've totally had that experience where, yeah, I set up a study over the board with like a training partner. We can spend 30 minutes looking at the position without moving a piece. Um, but then online, I get a study and it's like, okay, I'll think for like three to five minutes maximum. And then I'm just like, this is not what I signed up for. I want to just move quickly. And I'm pretty sure this is the first move. So let me just make it and see if it's right. Okay. Now I can think from here. That's that's yeah what the online kind of drives you to do. And it's it's right. not great. Um but uh yeah i think people in general should honestly not worry about it too much i think people spend more time discussing like what kind of tactics they should be doing than actually doing the tactics i just feel like 45 minutes a day choose something choose a book choose a uh, tool online choose an app and just work through it and then go to the next one i think it's really more about like the habits, like when you solve a puzzle, do you go through the solution? When you get it wrong, do you analyze the solution? Do you try to ingrain the pattern uh, into your mind? When you miss a tactic in a game, you know, do you play over it four or five, six times to make sure you never miss that tactic uh, again? I think some of these habits is what can really maybe drive improvement more so than whatever book or tool uh, you're using. yeah oh to add to your um point about the polgar book for people that don't want like a huge bulky book i really like the new series of books by polgar learn chess the right way it has very similar problems it's just that the books are smaller in series one through five and more portable so you don't have to get the huge black book out every time you you can, it you can get it on kindle
1: you can get it on oh, kindle okay that's, that's good yeah. too yeah, yeah. Um, i yeah.
2: think that i think that i'm probably a little bit more positive about online puzzle tools than the two of you were i don't i don't think that there's probably any particular limitation in how good somebody could get at tactics um by just using online tactics trainers i don't think there would be a ton missing this may overlap a little bit into our next um topic chessable which admittedly i know less than either of you but my understanding is that you that in addition to simple like puzzle trainers you can also find sort of like uh, curated tactics training through various online tools mm-hmm. that you could find something like you know a collection of of, of puzzles as mm-hmm. a chessable course probably or something like that yeah um through chess.com's lessons there are some tactics courses on um, and then i also think that it's possible that what these computer generated puzzles give you is they actually eliminate some human bias. So you may learn some like tactics that a chess teacher wouldn't think of putting in their book. Somebody who's learned chess like OTB and not from computers might not put certain kinds of tactics into their book because they might not think about it. And sometimes in these online collections, you get these like surprise positions or shocking like motifs almost that you didn't pick up as a kid and you're like oh some computer noticed this in somebody's game like i wouldn't have realized that you could do a thing like this um so yeah i
0: feel those puzzles aren't as good i have that bias it's like okay for me i just think that the thematic puzzles are generally going to be more useful but there is definitely value in finding uh, creative solutions, like uh, original solutions, like ideas that are not thematic. Definitely a lot of value in learning how to like spot ideas that are not immediately obvious to you. Um, but yeah, I just feel like you get too many of those in the online trainers. And then, yeah, you just get some some weird puzzles. But
2: Maybe too many. But if alongside <laughs> of that you're cranking thousands and tens of thousands of them, maybe you're getting like a lot of the stuff that you would get curated and then you're getting some other like dimensions. Um,
0: Yeah, there is also the question of whether it's better to solve tactics on a specific theme, which to me has always made sense if you're learning about deflections or interference or discovered attacks to just solve like 30 puzzles on the exact same theme and yes they are going to be easier because you know what the theme is but to me that's still building up your pattern recognition. Um, Chessable does have these courses that I think are pretty cool where they'll take an opening and they'll say like you know a thousand tactics in the Sicilian Dragon and it's just a collection of combinations from white's point of view from black's point of view and it does make sense that like just solving a lot of these thematic tactics if you're a Sicilian Dragon player would be really really useful as you're probably going to be seeing these ideas uh, in your game. Um, but as always it doesn't cover everything. you still have to learn how to think for yourself and navigate through weird positions. So there is a value especially to not knowing what the theme is and just being asked you know to find the best move. And yeah for advanced players of course like Jesse was saying, there are lots of books where you're not asked to find a clear win you're just asked to find the best continuation. maybe it's a small advantage. maybe you're just asked to find the only way to equalize. Um, but you're put in a difficult situation. You have to come up with a decision. I think those are also very useful, of course, but more for advanced players. I feel like most players out there need to first get their building blocks down. Their solid, you know, tactical patterns, their mating patterns, get all that stuff down, where they're recognizing stuff quickly, and then you know you can start working on the more the more advanced stuff.
2: Yeah, I guess one good question to try and like push us to actually disagree is like you feel like there's a point at which someone's tactics couldn't get better without, you know, human training on their tactics, without like a set of positions selected for them by, you know, Volokitan or or a GM coach or something like that. Like, is there some point where the tactics trainers, you've done all the puzzles there were, and now your tactics are dragging you down. They're keeping you from becoming, you know, a super GM.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it is really helpful To kind of see how a student analyzes and and solves a position and uh, lots of people that I've worked with you know they they have these weird you know tendencies while they're calculating or they're not as efficient in their thought process as they could be Um, you know typical mistakes include you know going down a line before fully examining what options you have available um, missing opponents resources because they're not really looking for the opponent's best move. So there's lots of these like typical things that like an online trainer isn't going to point out to you if you solve enough puzzles right like hey you need to be doing this or you need to be spending more time calculating before you uh make a move here i think you do need the human element when it comes to like thought process uh
1: in solving and and david i guess i even push it further and say like what the problems will do for you in a negative way Uh, It's not just like you're not exposed to certain types of problems. But what it'll do in a negative way is it pushes you, like Kostya said, to move, make a move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're online, you're going to be pushed to make a move. And there's this culture of sitting on your hands and really thinking about something until you feel like you've got it. You're not going to get that in the online world. And that is going to kill you. when you are playing over the board because it will encourage impulsive moves and you're not going to make it as an impulsive player no way
2: i mean i would argue that there again you fall into like the 90 percent who feel like they have to move and like things have to go faster online and so you're sort of assuming that that's how everybody reacts to being on a computer or having a screen Mm. and i'm here to tell you from the 10 percent on this particular element Uh or whatever the percentage is like There are people for whom that's not the case. And I've talked to tons and tons of people and I hear, you know, whatever 80 or 90% of people always say like, I can't take a game as seriously online as Mm -hmm. in person. No, you know, you want to play like a six hour classical game with me online. I'll never be able to play it like normally, right? Mm -hmm. But there are people who can, I promise you, I'm one of them. Like I can play classical chess exactly the same right here with my board by my side, Uh right? and, and uh, a score sheet on the table. And it's exactly the same for me. My focus, I'm not checking Twitter while I'm playing a, a game or anything like that, right? So there, there are people who are different in all kinds of ways. And I don't think it's like a 1% or a one in a million kind of thing. I think it's probably like, there's a reasonable number of people who take things slowly and seriously, even with a computer screen. And I'll solve end game studies on my computer and I'll sit there for half an hour. I mean, I've played king, knight and pawn against king and knight for like three hours straight against like a computer on on (laughs) chess.com,
1: you
2: know, and, and I'm trying really hard. And so, so again, I, I don't think you can guarantee that, that people are going to all be having to move quickly just because they're on a
1: computer. And you know, one thing I think is important to say about the Zoomer generation, uh, and this is somebody, it's it's like somebody who has taught other realms of things besides chess, is that uh, I grew up in the, let's call it the age of text, like there were books and it was a skill to learn how to read, how to talk about reading, how to write. and. I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing that that's all gone away, but it, it's important to see that it has all gone away and the kids coming up today have not learned to read. And so to David's point, like maybe they haven't learned to read, but maybe they have learned, or at least some of them have learned, to have a culture of like, oh, I can focus when I'm in front of this screen because I grew up in front of this screen. This is my home, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, better yeah. Able to. And if you
2: look at like, If you look at like online, when schools went online because of COVID, you know, some students really suffered from it and some did Mm -hmm. just fine, right? And some did better than when they were in brick and mortar schools. I mean, you can ask Mm -hmm. any teacher and they'll have experienced at least a handful of students who suddenly were better students at, at home on Zoom than they had been in school.
0: So there was a good question about uh, speed versus accuracy. And uh, you guys can feel free to disagree with me on this one. But my feeling is that speed always comes second. And it's much more important to work on the ability to solve a problem correctly. So if you have a simple tactic and it takes you 10 minutes to get the right answer, to me that's better than if you submit the wrong answer after one minute. (laughs) <laughs> and then on other problems, you know, you get it right after one minute, but you were kind of guessing. I think it's better to work on your actual ability to solve, given however much time you want. And you don't have to go crazy. I like to say, like, more than 15 minutes is probably not um, not that needed, especially when you're starting out. For some folks, I'll say, like, spend five minutes on a puzzle. And then if you don't get it, you can review the solution or guess. If it's harder, 10, 15 minutes. Um and yeah, and then once you've solved a couple thousand puzzles, then you can try doing it for speed, and you can see like which of your patterns are not as strong um, as others.
2: Right. But you made a good point previously about how like sometimes you'll see like an inefficiency in the thought process of a student or something like that. So there also does come a point where where speed and efficiency in your thought process is important as well, right? Because you're playing like this two-hour game, and you've got two hours of of time that's your resource and you're burning it up and then eventually you're in time pressure and you can't calculate accurately because you don't have enough time as i've gotten as i'm like trying to replay now as an older person like i'm i'm noticing that more as a factor sort of like running out of time by being inefficient on early calculations even though you get them right then eventually you don't have enough time left
0: yeah uh yeah once again i think there's like a balance to it but i would um, I would say either one is not good you don't want to be moving too quickly or too slowly for sure uh, but I would for me I'd rather have a student that was moving too slowly and we can like work on their confidence yeah. I feel like that's kind of a, a better skill to start with um, versus someone who's like yeah just playing too quickly and you just got to get them to like slow down and start thinking that's like a much much harder much harder process yeah um,
2: I I guess I will say, and maybe you guys will be happy with this, but I guess I will say that it's probably hard for somebody's tactics to be beyond a 2500 fide level without some kind of like coaching on it, without some kind of like targeted, somebody's worked with them on their thought process or given them puzzle, you know, given them GM level puzzles that are like designed for them or like really like sort of human generated tactics work. I think there probably is like a point where. You know, just solving 5,000 more puzzles from an online database is not going to is not going to get you all the way to the top.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it wouldn't even be about like whether you can do it. I I would just think it's probably easier if you know you're you got to 1,800 on your own, and then someone works with you and shows you how to get to the next level, versus just having to do it all on your own the whole time. I think it's always going to be easier when someone experienced steps in and um, kind of helps you with your uh with your thought process i mean even like one hint or one kind of tip can i think be <laughs> dramatically changing for the right player
1: okay let's go on the chessable let's do it um so how about this yeah how about this since, since for, for i think you know you've used it the most goes and then i'm in between and then david's never used it so here's an interesting question david what have been the prejudices that have held you back from even <laughs> venturing in to that strange new zoomer chess tool that is chessable. Um
2: I think it's just that like what I would look for on chessable would be like the same thing I would look in like a good chess book. And maybe there's other types of chessable stuff that like I just don't even know about that would be like great. But if I went on chessable, it would be to like get an experience that like captures some of the best books that I've read. It would be something like you know, the chess lessons on chess.com that like Silman put up. Positional like puzzles, you know, like he's got a course with like 300, you know, positional yeah. questions in a row. I found that extremely useful. I got like almost everything wrong as like, uh, you know, 2,400 the first time I worked on that course. I mean, well over 50% wrong. Um, it was just like mind boggling and interesting to me To some extent, that's a little bit similar to a book, except that there's like feedback put in 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 advance for like likely things you would get wrong to a degree that it isn't in like chess books uh, usually. Like chess book solutions don't often tell you like here are the like five mistakes that people most often get and here's why you got this mistake or something like that. They usually just give the right answer, maybe cover one alternative. but, but anyway, that's probably what I would be looking for. And the fact is I've got all these great books I haven't finished reading at home. So I just, I've never gotten to a point where I was like, I need to go on like Chessable to find new material. So, you know, I'm working through this, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And after after this, Night End Games by Oberbach, I'm gonna do Queen End Games. That's okay. gonna keep me busy for like three years. Okay, so, I mean, all right. I, I don't know that there's anything on Chessable that's gonna be better for me than learning knight games and queen games over the course of three years and if there is something that you know you would think would be better for me i'd love to hear about it and and you know i can try and guess if it would be or not or i could try it out but right now it's basically like you know there's so much material and i've just never finished the stuff that i had to work on i've got my own games to annotate right i want to go play in more tournaments and i want to do like puzzles like tactics now and then to stay sharp so i've just never reached the point where i wanted to do it Okay. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, and yeah, so Chessable does have all kinds of courses. Like they they don't just do opening courses. They have regular books that they they've just converted to their format. Um, and then they also have a lot of courses that you could call them like strategy courses or endgame courses, or just like a collection of instructive positions. And I think it's not so much about their software, like the spaced repetition. I just think it's like, it's just good material that uh, is useful for people, similar to like the Sulman lessons on chess.com. But that makes sense. If someone told me that the only way I'm allowed to study is by reading chess books, uh, I would lose very little sleep over that. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. There's plenty, <laughs> plenty of books to read. Um, so definitely not... Uh, Definitely not necessary. I think Chessable is really cool. I'm actually working or uh, finishing up my own course on Chessable on endgame studies, which uh, I'm hoping will be useful for, for folks. Just kind of like an intro guide to solving endgame studies and showing some of like the basic uh, endgame puzzles. Um, my criticism of Chessable, I think, is more of how people tend to use it. Uh, I'm definitely not a fan of just drilling openings for the sake of remembering the moves. I think that's one of the least useful things someone could do. Uh, and it gets less and less useful the lower rated you are. Um, now, if someone is using Chessable because like, yeah, they want to solve tactics. So the thing is, you can't really judge Chessable because they have all kinds of courses and material on there. It's really on how someone uses it. But yeah, I much prefer the end game courses they have or the tactics or strategy. Uh, And then the opening courses themselves, I think, are of good quality. I'm just not a believer in doing the repetition for the sake of memorizing moves. Um, And I've used Chessable quite a bit. And similar to, like, online trainers, it definitely pushes you to just click next and get to the next one and get to the next one and not sit and stop and think about a position. And... um, And I think that is something that I would really encourage people to do. Like when you're working through a course and the author has included a lot of notes, you know, in in the solution, play through the notes, read through them. You know, don't just go to like next puzzle, next puzzle, next puzzle, and just trying to get through it. So it is kind of, I think, driving people to just want to just finish, just like get some progress done because they've like gamified it. So there's a ton of, I think, really instructive material on there, but it comes down to how people use the site and whether... Uh, they, in my opinion, use it in the most effective way or not. So Jesse, how about you?
1: Well, okay, so, so I've dabbled in the chess ball and I'm interested in two ways, both as a player, like will it help me? And also just the question of like, since books are on their way out, And that's just a painful truth that anyone of my generation has to acknowledge. Since books are on their way out, what new platforms are gonna be created to communicate knowledge, say, about chess? And Chessable's been the one kind of newfangled product where at least you got a lot of people excited about it. That's obviously gamified it. Um, At the moment, I don't yet see like, like, Okay, so for example, I need to revamp my own opening. So I went in there and I did some work. And, you know, did I pass, you know, did I get to a point where I could regurgitate everything? Kind of, but in a hilarious thing, you know, I'm going over the games last term. There was a position in there that I had, but I couldn't actually remember the line because when it throws it at you, you don't know where it comes from you remember the moves, but you don't know how you got there, you know? So that was kind of a funny fail on that score. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I also, as somebody who's interested maybe in producing content, I want to have something where I can reach the, the people who are now consuming chess content. And I, and I don't really want to write a book because no one's really reading books now. So I'm really interested and I'm going to continue to do it. But for example, say with just the openings, I'm not I'm going to I'm going to focus on studying my own games. And then if I have time before the next tournament, you know, I'll do what I did before, which is kind of like work on the opening repertoire right before the tournament. Um, and I'm just going to give it, I'm just really giving it a go. I'm, I don't like studying openings that much, honestly. So gamifying it has a personal benefit for me in that sense. And that, you know, at least then it kind of forces me to do it. And, and also as someone, I think, and other people I'm sure have this problem. Is like, once you get to be a certain level, I think, you don't want to just copy someone else's Repertoire. So like if somebody, if I buy some course, I'm just gonna be using their moves. And as a user, I found it very difficult to uh, alter their moves and make my own file out of it. It's probably possible to do, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, even altering my own file, I found very difficult. So that was, yeah, it's like once you create the file, the file becomes ossified into its own structure and you know when I did it too I was just my I created my own files on chess space put it in there and then gamified my learning <laughs> of those of those lines you know so I don't know I'm jury's still out I would like it I would like it to be a cool new way to um, produce chess content because the book is over and if if chessable isn't going to do it then i'm hoping somebody else comes up with something new and exciting to do it
0: yeah definitely a cool format and um if i have a student that's reading a book via chessable versus physical i no issues with that right if that's their preferred preferred way of reading or if they want to do kindle Mm -hmm. or forward chess uh, i'm yeah totally totally cool with that um yeah so
1: and you've well, got a lot koski i looked you up over there buddy you got a lot of
0: xp you got a lot of points well that's probably from woodpecker method because i did that book on chessable i see um, Okay. which is really fun and the gamification aspect i should say like i'm i'm a fan of that like whatever gets you to do more chess Cool. And I think that's one of the strengths of the woodpecker method is that it just gives you a container. It's like, all right, your next month of training is going to look like this. You're doing these problems, and then you're going to do them again, and then you're going to do them again. And it's like, you're done. You don't have to stress like, am I doing the right problems? Am I doing the right like uh, format here? Should I be thinking longer or less? It's just like your your training regiment is is set, which is, which is cool. Mm. Uh, and then you can feel good as you as you go through it. But you have to enjoy the work. I think you have to take pleasure from like doing the puzzles and, and grinding and drilling and and learning the ideas. Like that I think has to be enjoyable. If, if it's something that you're just getting through, like you just gotta get through your chessable for the day, I don't know how
2: useful that's gonna be
0: in, in the long run.
2: Okay guys, so we're trying to evaluate these tools to some extent. Right. And Jesse wants to say, is there something like missing? So you've used chessable, like, you know, if you had to make a declarative statement, like chessable is worse than books or better than books or equal to books as like a way of learning chess ideas. Right. Well,
1: what would you say? Um, I' I would say it's worse, but it's a new technology and it, you know, could it evolve into something amazing? Maybe, and it's. I think it's better for some things than others. Like Kosti put that out there. I, I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's true. And the main thing people use it for openings, I definitely think, is over the top. Like when you, <laughs> David, I'm telling you, man. But the main I've thing witnessed... that people use books for is also openings. Like yeah, those aren't the books that you read, it, but it's a new world, David. Trust me. I got these students, and they're like. Playing at a sixteen hundred level on um, on Chess.com, and they have got twenty nine hundred openings because they've been doing Chessable like freaks. Does it win them a lot of games? No, but you can see it. You can see it in the moves that these people are making. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna hang a piece very soon, but their Chessable skills
0: amazing, amazing. To answer your yeah. question, David, I I I do think Chessable is better. I mean, I think you can get as good as you can possibly get with chess books alone. But the advantage that Chessable has over books is that, well, number one, they can simply import books into their platform. So they can import all the classic books and then have right. extra material. Um, the other cool thing is that courses can be edited. So if an author makes a mistake or wants to add some notes or add some puzzles, you can just mm-hmm. edit the course and everyone get you know, you can't edit your chess books, obviously, like get new material. Um, right. But yeah, there is the question as well as like, can you get to the deep think online? If that's no issue for you, then to me, I think there are ultimately no fundamental issues with Chessable. I think it's just a great platform. But for many players, it's hard to get to that deep mode of thinking without working on something uh, over the board. So that's always yeah. going to be kind of in the background as well. But to I'm me,
2: just listening to you two describe it, I just don't see what the disadvantage would be over like you know. The way that 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 we studied with books 20 years ago um just seem it, it just seems like it includes that and then some new features
0: well as long as you can avoid the trap of you know just playing your next move quickly to get to the to the get mm-hmm. to the solution as long as you're not rushing to answer not rushing through the material because books are very you know unrewarding in the present you just have to kind of enjoy it yourself but once you do it if you enjoy reading i mean i enjoy reading so for me it it is its own reward like i love having a time to just sit down with a chess book um so yeah that's the trap if you can avoid getting into that um instant gratification space with chessable then i think you're good
2: okay okay are there any questions left for today then jesse have we have we gotten at what you wanted to get at
1: i think you know we we kind of spliced and diced it and i think there's future questions are, are pretty simple in that like first of all can we put numbers on it what will we see for example with what i'm calling the zoomer generation in terms of their chess progress i'm really curious about that um and so it's a continuing topic for sure you know for sure going forward
0: Yeah, we'd love to see some hardcore chess studies in the future with control groups and people working on different things. And yeah, who knows? We can maybe we'll come up with some some new ideas one day how to improve.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Okay, cool, guys.
0: Yeah, we'll call it there. That was a lot of fun.